Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. Hallelujah. I do want to let you know of this particular word spoken during prayer. I cannot admonish you enough. Um, we love service here. Um, but it, it's worth your while if you're not attending one of our Anchor Faith Live classes. Right now we have one called Building the Believer, but after this summer we'll have multiple classes that will be going on at 9.30 to 10.15. But I encourage you, you need to come to prayer. Pastor Marcy, by unction of the Holy Spirit, really just kind of had a, a mini vision pass in front of her eyes while she was in prayer. And I believe it's very important that I repeat what the Spirit of the Lord said through her, and that is that God uses fire and water together. He can use it simultaneously for that matter. Because again, God knows every bit about your being. He knows things that may need to get purged out, things that need to be molded differently, right? And then refresh you immediately. And God showed her this, a person that works iron, that they'll take that iron and they'll stick it in the fire until it starts to glow red hot. And once that iron gets real red hot, that steel, whatever it is, and they, that guy pulls it out, then they can begin to shape it and mold it into a whole nother arrangement, a plate, something useful, something specific. And then once they get it in its desired shape, then they'll immediately quench it in the water so that it can seal that shape. It can seal it. And she got bonction that God is going to seal some things when you let the fire of God mold you, bend you, get you into the formation he desires for you in these last days. Then he's going to refresh you with the Holy Ghost that all of a sudden that is your makeup from here on out. And what I mean by that, I mean it in the realm of your mind, soul, in your soul realm. Because in our spirit, man, we're already in the image of Christ. If we could just get our mind to transform into the mold of our spirit, and we could get that, in essence, uh, quenched, where all of a sudden the fire of God says, quit thinking about yourself that way. This is who you are. And we get the revelation and say, I'll no longer consider myself that but I'll only consider that which you said of me, then the Holy Ghost can seal that in you to where you'll only look at yourself the way God saw you. And that no matter what anybody does, when they come to you, talk to you, and they call you this, call you that, they identify you with the way the world wants to identify you, you'll say, no, I'm a child of the living God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I cannot be defeated. I will not quit. I can't stop. I'm going to do exactly the plan and purpose of God because God set me this way. He defined me this way. He's the final authority about my life. And I don't care what you see. Because at the end, you'll only see what God saw. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we're going to get our minds to line up with our spirit. Amen. Yeah. I do want to encourage you tonight at 7 p.m. We will connect with Rama in Oklahoma. They're doing corporate prayer. And um, again, uh, I'm submitted to their leadership. And when I heard they were going to do a corporate prayer uh, on Sundays, all, uh, the, the last Sunday of the month, I said, we'll connect with you because, again, we're not in this thing alone. And uh, if you want real power to start operating in your life, then you need to attend more prayer meetings because, again, you're learning something so you can release something. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you know why the dead sees dead? It's because there's no outlet. Everything flows in it, and then it can't keep going. It just stays. Now, it's crystal clear. I've been in it. In fact, it's the only body of water that I've been in and can't sink. Every other body of water I've been in, I'm like a rock. Bam. Can't float. All right? But that wasn't the case. In fact, when I went to the Dead Sea and started floating, it was kind of odd for me. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I was having a hard time floating. I was like wanting to flip over and stuff because, I mean, it was just a weird feeling for me personally. And there's so much salt content, it burn your eyeballs out, seems like. I mean, it really hurts that bad. I had to come out one time and rinse off because they got my eyes. Um, so you're not going underwater looking, all right? But it's crystal clear. You know, it even feels kind of like silk on your body. 
It's amazing. But no life in it because there's no outlet. And again, if all you do is come to the church to receive, even though life can flow into you if you don't give it an outlet. That's why James said, faith without works is a dead sea because you're supposed to be rivers of living water. Amen. Don't let the things of God get stuck in your mind and become a dead place. But see, you're, you got living water like Chelsea. She can get, all she got to do is hear God, and God's saying, listen, I put it in you. I want to get it out of you, so just go over there and say something. And when you act in obedience, my, 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 you can rejoice. I said, you can rejoice. Amen. Acts chapter 2, would you turn over there today? We're going to talk about rain to rain. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the spirit of the kingdom. Because you understand the Bible is about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. In the beginning, John, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule or have dominion yeah. over the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, over all the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, over all the earth. Both male and female were to have dominion or rule. So when God created us, he created us with a purpose. Yeah. Again, I said this in a little video clip that now has gotten 17,000 views, and it's amazing that a certain word gets people jacked up in their religion, uh, but God took the responsibility to determine what he wanted man to be before he even had a relationship with him. Before he made man, he knew the man's responsibility. That this is why I created you in the first place. This is your purpose. This is why you're here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Adam and Eve, both of them, were created in the image of God. She came out of man, but they were both sinning without sin. They were spotless. They were without blame. They were perfect in that context. Amen? And they walked with God. And in essence, they ruled this realm as God ruled his realm. He delegated the authority of oversight down here. If he had not done that, if he actually was saying, well, I'm really controlling it all anyway, then when the devil shows up, when the serpent shows up, when he comes into the garden and says to Eve, has God not said that you can't eat from any tree of the garden, which he didn't know, he's looking for truth. Because when you find truth, then you can turn it to a lie. So I'm not impressed with scripture quoters. Because a lot of them sometimes try to turn it to a lie. Even the devil uses scripture. Ah, but I can examine the fruit of their lives. Is what you preach and you living? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're looking for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what happens is, she says, no, the Lord said we can eat of any tree. There's more options to actually obey God than to disobey him. But there's this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat, you'll surely die. He said, you're not going to die, girl. He said, God knows that the day you eat it, you'll be like him knowing good and evil. And then all of a sudden, she saw that was the problem. She started living by sight and not according to the word of the king. And she ate the fruit, but nothing happened. Why? Because God did not directly tell Eve, don't eat the fruit, told Adam. And so when Adam ate the fruit, he ate it, ate that fruit in the second most dangerous word in the kingdom, called rebellion. He rebelled against the word of God. And he was in the posture of the most dangerous word in a kingdom. He decided, I'll be independent from my father in heaven. I'm going to start living on my own, doing it my way, like I want to do it. I'm not going to listen to him. And as a result, he was separated. See, this thing called death, we have it mis messed up because too often we think that when we hear death, we think they don't exist anymore. We kind of see that physically. They're not in the planet. They don't exist in the earth anymore. But the reality is everyone always exists. The question is, are you with God or away from God? Because death is separation from God. You know what? You can be living right now and be dead. You can be breathing right now and be dead. This the greatest deception in the earth today is uh, the breath in a person's lungs. That they act like, I'm alive. Well, I'm alive. If you're not in Christ, you're dead breathing. You're dead breathing. Anything we do outside the known will of God, 
We are living a separated life from God. Not his will for us. And so he's the fruit. Sin entered the world. Romans 5 says sin or through one man's transgression, sin entered the world. Now, if God was the one in control at that time, why didn't he come down, grab the devil and say, you ain't going to talk to my boy. I don't want you in the garden. This is my planet. The way we do it, I'm in control of this. No, he delegated the authority. And when Adam ate the fruit, he passed that dominion over. If you read the Luke's account of the temptation of Jesus, when the Satan brings him up to a high pinnacle and shows him all the kingdoms in a moment of time, one translator said all the domain, he said, I'll give you all this domain, all this authority, all this power, for it's been handed over to me. Well, where did he get it from? He got it from Adam when he ate the fruit. But Jesus said, it is written. I said, he said what? Every time he talks to the devil, he talks to him the word. He doesn't give him his opinion. He doesn't tell him what he thinks about it. He doesn't tell me, let me tell you what I want to say. No, he says, it is written. And he's the one we are to follow. So if we don't know what's written, then we don't know how to respond. The reason why the church, when I say the church, I'm not talking about this church. I'm just talking about church in general, struggles so much in the world today. It's because it doesn't know how to respond to the world because it's illiterate to the language of the kingdom of God, which is the Holy Scripture. And if you're not reading the Bible from cover to cover every year, you're putting yourself in subjection to what that word says, then you don't have a fight and you don't have a dog in the fight. I mean, you're not you're already whipped before you get in there. Because Jesus didn't show up and say, do you know who I am? Right? Because that was the very thing that he was challenged by, by Satan in the first place. The Holy Ghost comes upon Jesus. The power of God hits Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, and that power comes on him. And the father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he going to go out by that same spirit, being led by that spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the devil's going to say, now, if you are the son of God. You know, it's the same thing he's saying to you today. Well, if you are a child of God. But the problem is, if we don't respond like the original, like the king, then he'll convince us we're not. And then we'll settle for a feel-good religion. Well, I asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me when I die, I go to heaven. So by all rights, we have a death gospel. We can't wait to die and be in heaven. When all the while, God says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be on as it is. So heaven's will can manifest in the earth through you. Why are you waiting to go to heaven? Now, when we die, don't get me wrong. You're going. I'm not saying we're not. We are. To be absent from the body to be, is to be present with the Lord. And praise God, we'll be with him. And if we tarry long enough, because when he returns, he'll blow a trumpet and we'll be caught up together with him in the air. Oh, but if you'd only read the back of the book, you'll find out we're coming back to the same planet with him during the millennial reign. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why? Because the Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. By all rights, it's about this government that's going to take over the whole planet ultimately. It's God's kingdom. All you got to do is read Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, verse 6 says this. A child will be born. A son will be given. The son's not born because the son always existed. A child will be born. A vessel to house the second person of the Godhead. A son will be given, and it says, and the government shall rest on his shoulders. Hallelujah. 
Man, if you read the Gospels, you'll see Jesus preach one thing. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like this and the kingdom of God is like that. And all the while, the devil has gotten the believers deceived that the kingdom is only at heaven and can't manifest here. But when I go to another country as a U.S. citizen, I'm still a U.S. citizen in foreign territory. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was transferred out of a domain, out of a territory that had me shackled, that had me as a slave, that had me beat down, that was to kill, steal, and destroy me. But my deliverer came, and I went over into the kingdom of his beloved son, and I can pull that kingdom right down into the earth right now because I have a citizenship that's in heaven. I'd have to call Jesus a liar if I couldn't pull heaven into earth's realm. Hallelujah. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this. King, kingdom is king's domain or king's dominion. He said, this is my authority, my rule. And he says this, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. What's the devil's work? Getting people to disobey God's word and get shackled to it. But he says, I've come to destroy that. I'll apply, I'll have blood poured out. And here's the thing. If God gave dominion on the earth to a man, that's why he had to come as a man legally to redeem us. Why didn't he send a giraffe? Why didn't he send an angel? He had to see the same species that because God's word will always come to pass. And if he said man's going to have dominion, then man's going to have dominion, even if God himself has to empty himself of his glory and get down here like us and operate in this planet like us, yet without sin. Woo, glory to God. So he's been tempted on all accounts just like us, but he never disobeyed dad. He only said, what's dad say? I do not speak on my own initiative. Only what my father says. The works that I'm doing, they're actually from daddy. He told me to do this. And what he's training us is that once you make Jesus Lord of your life, that same spirit of the kingdom will come and live in you and bear witness with your spirit. You are now a child of the king. You are royalty. You are a peculiar people. You are a holy nation. You are citizens of heaven. And then he'll come upon you. He'll baptize you in fire. He'll bring power to you. He will bring uh, rivers of living water upon you. And all of a sudden, the power of heaven itself will show up in your life, and you can demonstrate that while you walk on the planet. I don't know about you, but that's pretty powerful stuff, man. That a child of God who has the health care system of the kingdom doesn't have to go to President Biden and say, what can we do for this homeless woman that's over here by Planet Fitness? Can we please get her some kind of uh, uh, coverage so we can get her into the hospital? No, she said, I got something from the kingdom. <laughs> Talking about cutting out the red tape. We just go through the red blood. Yeah. Glory to God. Aren't you glad you got the spirit of the kingdom? You got the spirit of the kingdom. Amen. All right, let's preach a little bit. Glory to his name. He said in Acts chapter 2, he said, but Peter, taking his stand with the 11, this is the day of Pentecost. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. He raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judah, all who live in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give heed to my words. Give heed to my words. You need to give heed to my words today. He said, for these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days God shall pour out his spirit on all, uh, all mankind, on your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams, even on your bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will grant wonders in the sky and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor smoke, and the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day uh, of the Lord shall come, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
I've said this before, but I'm here just to tweak your thinking. Get you connected with God. Get you out of your religion. The blood has already been applied to the mercy seat. But you don't get forgiveness till you ask for it. So you got to be careful when you're talking to people. You know, God's already forgiven you of your sin. That's a lie. God has stored up provision to forgive you of all your sin if you will call on his name. But if you do not, that which is available for you will not be applied. And you'll be eternally separated from his glorious kingdom and cast into a lake of fire, which is the second death. Many people are not even responding to the church because we've already considered them a finished work without them doing anything. When the reality is his blood does not show up in your life until you call on his name. Until you take personal responsibility that you're done living that way and you got to go his way because it's the only way. Joel 2.23 says this, so rejoice, O sons of Zion, and let, uh, let and be glad in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain for your vindication and has poured down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain as before. So the day of Pentecost is what we call the outpouring, the initial outpouring of the Spirit in the earth. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, now it's to your advantage, in John chapter 16, he said, now it's to your advantage that I go. It's to your advantage. Now you're thinking, how is that to you? You know, you know how many churches right now would love to just meet with Jesus? And you know, they could actually every service if they did what we did and actually preach the word. And we're in scripture. Because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was. And the 14th verse of the first chapter, John says, and the word became. So if you want to spend some time with Jesus, pull out your Bible. He's not obligated to physically manifest in front of you. His word will prove it out. Say, well, I'll read it. I don't understand it. Well, you got to be connected to the spirit that explains it. Because it's not naturally appraised. It ain't like going to the library and pulling a book out and reading it and act like you got something. It's only when the Holy Ghost begins to say, now, I was there. (laughs) Woo! Are you hearing what I'm saying? He says, I was there when David did that. I know what he was wearing. I know how much hair was on his head. I knew how fast he was running. I know the speed and velocity of the rock that sunk in the man's hand. See, I'm the author. See, we, why, why do we do this? Why do we want to pull out a book, any book, and begin to start telling people what we think about it? Now, there are some books written by authors that aren't even in the planet today, so we have to speculate. But the author of the Bible is not John. It isn't Luke. It isn't Mark. It's not Matthew. It isn't uh, Saul. I mean, Samuel and his couple letters. It's not um, uh, Moses and those five books. No, it's as the Spirit of God moved upon men. You ready for this? The Holy Spirit had a ghost writer. He said, now write this down. And that author is still alive because he's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who reveals it. He was there in the beginning, hovering over the water, waiting to hear the word say, do this. And he said, done. Hallelujah. And that same spirit, I said that same spirit, I said that same spirit. There is no way when you understand who you are in Christ that you can even hold fast to a victim mentality. You would immediately be delivered and see yourself a champion. That's all you can be is a champion, a victor, an overcomer, a more than a conqueror. And it isn't just because you are, it's because you know how to go fight the good fight of faith and win that thing. 
So he said the early rain would come, and on the day of Pentecost, he poured out a spirit. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go, so that he may come. Yes. Why? Because I've got God's glory contained in this suit, but I want my spirit to come upon everybody. And I said this on Wednesday, and it bears repeating right now. The Holy Ghost is so good. And when I say good, I'm going to use this word that scares us all the time, but he is it. Perfect. He never makes a mistake, ever. He is so good at his assignment that the world will be without an excuse. They will not stand before the Lord either at the uh, judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment says, man, I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, I had no idea about you. <laughs> it's kind of like this morning. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. This morning we showed up and there was a trailer in the parking lot. Right? And so they're like, what do you want to do, Pastor? It's like right in the way. I said, well, call them then. They had a number on it. So they called. And the individual, you know, picked up the phone and they said, hey, you know, you need to move your trailer. <laughs> and they're like, oh, um, well, I can't get by. Well, this is private property. Well, I didn't know. Well, me didn't know. You didn't drive around front and see all the signs? Oh, you hear what I'm saying. There's plenty of signs. I mean, how do you not know that the mall's private property? No, you want free advertisement. So they said, well, you're going to need to come. Well, I can't. We're going, I'm going to the hospital, going to the emergency room. Don't know when I can. Well, we'll just move it for you. You can't. It's got a lock. We'll just bust the lock. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, take a picture of the lock. You'll buy the same lock. Cut it. Move it. Well, they called the law on us. Yeah. Today. We moved it right over to another little section. And all of a sudden, you know, they, I guess they wanted us arrested for moving it. So the police officer, and we told them the thing, and they told him everything, and, he, well, I was really here. Well, you said you're going to the emergency room. You couldn't even give me 15 minutes. You didn't ask for no minutes. If you'd asked for anything, we'd have done something. But you left us at no choice. Here's the lock to replace it. So the police officer says, will you accept this lock? Well, that won't even fit my trailer. He pulled it out. He says, they're the exact same lock, and then put it on her for the individual. Do you accept their lock or not to replace yours? Because if you don't, you don't have to. And what I'll do is I'm going to charge you for trespassing. They took the lock. Now, I don't know if the trailer's still here. Maybe they took it off or not. We moved it out of the way for you fine folks. But you know, it's amazing. You're not going to stand before the Lord. You're not going to stand before God's judgment. And all of a sudden, give him some song and dance like you don't know. Because the Holy Ghost has got your whole life recorded. The Lord said every idle word he's got in pages. I said he's got it all written down. And the only way you get that stuff erased if it's the blood flows through. But now once you get born again that he's still recording on your life. Are they following my will, doing what I say, or are they doing their own stuff? Because at the end of the day, before you were in your mother's womb, he said, the psalmist said, he's written out every one of my days before they were one. I'm telling you, there's a book with your name on. It is God's biography of you, and he'll pull that book out on that day. When he finds your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, then he'll come over to this book and he'll pull your book out. It's got your name on it. The bi God's biography of what your life should have been. And then he'll pull out the one you wrote. And he'll start checking the pages and trying to determine, do they line up? And for every page that lines up, you're going to get a reward in heaven. You're going to get a reward in that life. You'll get a reward in that place. But for every one that was yours, it'll burn up and you got it down here. You don't get no more. And you just thought it was getting out of hell. But that's what the devil wants you to believe. 
Because if he can convince you, well, you escaped hell. Then he ain't worried about you. Because you'll blend in like the rest of the world. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. What did James say? James said, therefore, be patient, brother. Until the coming of the Lord, the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the soil, being patient about it until he gets the early and late rain. The Passion Translation says it this way. Meanwhile, brothers and sisters, we must be patient, filled with expectation as we wait for the appearing of the Lord. Think about the farmer who has to patiently wait for the earth's harvest as it ripens because of the early and latter rains. On the day of Pentecost, the early rain hit. And when it hit, it hit an upper room. And I will tell you this, if the upper room would have never opened their mouth, it would have never left the upper room. But because the upper room, those vessels opened their mouth and began to pour out by the Spirit. Unknown tongues came out and then native tongues came out. Ones they didn't even study to learn. Started showing up out in the streets. It started to flow, overflow that upper room and get down into the 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 streets, the alleyway, it began to echo through uh, the walls of all the other buildings. Because I've been to Israel. I mean, it's a tight place when you get down in those little small places. It's small cobblestone roads, and it's just echoing. And all of a sudden, people are hearing this sound. And they get drawn to it. And then all of a sudden, as they're hearing it, they don't know what's going on because so many different languages are being spoken at once and then unknown tongues are being spoken. So some people, whether it's a natural tongue or an unknown tongue, they didn't know it anyway. It's just like when I go into uh, Walmart sometimes and hear somebody speak German or Russian or Spanish, you know, I don't always understand what they are even saying. I'm, I'm I, you know, majority of it, I know nothing. I'm like, I have no idea what they're saying right now. I'm glad they're not talking to me. They could be talking about me. And I wouldn't even know about it. But the reality is they heard all that and begin, they began to say, what in the world's going on here? And they couldn't explain it. Wouldn't you love to have a church service that the world just can't explain? Why are we having church services that the world knows what's going on and feels comfortable in it? They can't even explain it. The first church service just has to be explained. So the man of God gets up and says, this, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's the third hour. Ain't none of these people been drinking the wine you drink. No, we got a different wine. It's called a new wine. And when he began to speak, all of a sudden it began to flow and it started hitting the dry places. It started hitting those dry bones. It started touching these people that were dead in their trespasses and sin. And he didn't even have to officially give an altar call. They just yelled up, what must we do? And he said, repent. Change your thinking. Side with Jesus' party. Come into the kingdom and then you'll receive this promise. And you know what happened? 3,000 people got born again that day. But get this. The rain did not come for the loss. The rain came through the saved. See, Jesus back in John breathed on his disciples to receive the Holy Spirit. They were already born again. You can't have the Spirit in you unless you've confessed Jesus as Lord. He's already had this conversation with his disciples. Who do people say that I am? And then he said, now, who do you say that I am? And Peter pops up and he says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And Peter called him Lord on more than one occasion. And when you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. But prior to that moment, he had not died yet and raised and poured his blood out. But then when he manifested in his glorified suit, now he had the right to be able to pour the Spirit into the heart of a, of a man and cause that Spirit that was dead in him to be passed away and he became a new creature in Christ. Jesus witnessed the new birth. But he said, this ain't enough. Don't even talk to people about me till the power comes. He said, don't even say nothing. You just hang out right here. And when that early rain came, it hit them. Now here's where it goes. The Bible says, 
Let me tell you, the kingdom of God is like a man who sows seed. He takes the seed, and some fall to the wayside, some fall among the rocks, some fall among the thorns, and some fall into good soil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then he gives conditions that take place that hinder the seed. Right? And then one translation says this. He said, now the parable, I think it's Matthew's uh, uh, 13 uh, account, says the uh, seed is, the, is the, the kingdom of God or the word of the kingdom. So the seed is the word. When the word is sown, it's always not sown in your mind, it's sown in your heart. What you do in your mind after you receive it in your heart will determine whether it takes or whether it gets taken. He said those who don't have understanding, immediately the devil comes and snatches that seed sown in their heart. But when the seed gets into a ground and is allowed to die, then it breaks forth what was in it. And that's what we call conversion. When people get born again, their seed turns into a plant. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what happens is, is the Holy Ghost, when the seed is put into the earth, the early rain comes and it goes through the soil. It goes through the natural. It impacts the seed and causes the seed to germinate and break forth. That which is in it's got to come out. And when you allow God in you to be good soil and the Holy Ghost comes to refresh you, it is to break forth a whole new species of being. You'll bear fruit. You have the potential to bear fruit you've never had before. But here's the thing. That thing will look like it's not working. It looks like it ain't happening. But all of a sudden, it will make its way to the surface and begin to show up. And even the world will have to know something's there. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? You cannot be born again with the life of God. The seed break forth into conversion and the world can't eventually see something's there. Now, they may not identify what it is yet. Because again, if you don't know what was planted, you can walk by all kind of green bushes and say, well, I don't know what it is. I got this little green bush about this tall in the side of my house. And you can drive by right now and look at it. And unless you understand by its leaves, by what it's already producing, to some degree, you won't know until a fruit starts to manifest. Notice we don't call uh, things by, you know, uh, we call it by its fruit. You go by a field in Hastings, man, and you see all these things up, and all of a sudden you'll say, well, that's a cornfield. Because if you can identify it even before the fruits on, you'll call it by its fruit. Because there's another type of crop they call a filler crop. And it looks like corn, but it's not corn at all. It's something that grows up that is only designed to be plowed right back down in the earth for nutrients. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why he talks about the wheat and the tare. They look a lot alike at the beginning. Uh, fake, fake plants beside you. Darkness beside you. Unrighteousness beside you. Because if you'll just release what's in you. Are you hearing me? So the early rain germinates the seed. The latter rain is for the maturing of the crop. I don't know how they do it. I'm not a farmer personally. But how is it, and maybe one day I'll do an interview with one, how is it that a farmer can drive by his field and there's known fruit on it, but he can say, got one more week before we pull that in. How does he know it's not time to harvest? Well, the parable of the sower lets us in on these things because again, when you break forth as a believer, and if you do not give yourself wholly to the word, then you know what? The trials of life are going to show up. And all of a sudden, it's going to choke. It's going to not choke. It's going to cause you to wither up because you have no firm root. You love being different. And the devil convinced you that all that awaits you is heaven. And then the trials of life will come. 
persecution to show up. You'll get beat around and battered. And all you'll do, you'll have no firm root in this existence that you are. In this hard world. Oh, it's tough out there, pastor. It's a hard world. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard ground out there. Yeah, it's hard ground, no doubt. Yeah, I get it. But don't let the hard ground influence you. But if you allow and you keep your eyes set in the hard ground and let it influence you, then eventually the trials of life, persecution come and cause you to wither up and you'll be unfruitful, which means you will have been through the earth and no one will have even noticed. But then you get the thorns. That's where these things grow with you and grow a part of you and get so intertwined within you that you can even have fruit show up, but it never ripens because the thorns are sapping the nutrients out of you, out of the soil. It's taken what should have been yours because you get all stuck with the cares alive and the deceitfulness of riches. Then all of a sudden you become unfruitful because here's the thing. Fruit on a vine that never ripens is the same as not having it. Now I learned about my banana tree finally. Because the first time I grabbed a hold of my bananas in my other location, these little green ones, it's like they're never going to turn. They're always green. I'm like, let's cut the thing off then, man. Let's go. Let's do something. Right? And you try to get them to ripen. It didn't work. Well, then next year, you know, I waited long enough and some of them actually turned yellow. So I took them off. <laughs> I mean, the outside told me, go ahead and taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> I peeled that bad boy back. I took a bite into it. It sucked all the moisture out of my mouth. I thought I was going to die of dehydration immediately. I mean, it was crazy. It was the most bitter, nasty. It took all my moisture. I mean, I could hardly eat. My tongue was getting stuck to the roof of my mouth. I mean, I'm like, give me some water something. I might swallow my tongue here in a second. I don't know what just happened. It gave the appearance that it would be good, but it was bitter. It wasn't ready. The Lord of the harvest. See, the Lord of the harvest knows when it's time to get people in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But this latter rain is for the maturing of the crop. See, this next outpouring is not for the lost, but it will affect the lost. See, the reason why we always talk about this great end time harvest is we, gotta, we have to first have the great uh, end time outpouring. And when the outpouring comes, it's not going to pour out on the lost first. It will pour out on the believer that is disciplining themselves to cause fruit to rise up in their lives and for them to produce that fruit. They are staying in the vine because they know apart from it, they'll bear no fruit. But they know the vine dresser comes by in seasons of their life and he says, whoo, that's some good fruit you gave this year. Wow, man, look how you touched that person's life and touched that person's life and you did this and you gave here and you done that and you're like, wow, thank you, Lord. And then he says, okay, good. Now let me cut this off real quick. Don't touch me, Lord. I mean, I'm producing for you. He said, yeah, but I need to prune this so that in the next season you'll bear even See, that's when the fire and the water starts coming together. He said, you know, I let that attitude of yours go this time, but I want you to fix that attitude. I'm going to put a little fire there. You're done responding like that, period, because you had a little bit of fruit. I worked with you in your beginning season. I did a whole lot, but I'm going to deal with that now so that the next season you're not having to filter through that, and I'm not filtering through that because I took care of that because you let me. Ah, uh, but then you'll go on through life a little bit more, going from glory to glory, faith to faith. And all of a sudden, he'll say, now, I'm going to deal with your childhood. I'm going to deal with your past. I'm going to deal with some things that you're still using as a mechanism. And I'm going to heal it completely. I'm going to heal your brokenheartedness. I'm going to deal with stuff, man, that nobody even knows that you went through, and you'll feel like you didn't even go through it. But you got to let him prune you. But see, as believers, sometimes we go through, if you don't watch out, you'll get into a season where there's no fruit because you think plant living's enough. And he says, if he comes through the branch and there's no fruit, 
He cuts that bad boy off, casts it to the side. Now, you understand, if you cut off from the vine, whoo, that's a bad place to be. I said, that's a bad place to be. Now, the first thing that happens to people when I say that, they're like, are you saying I'm cut off from God? I'll never be it. You know what? God has the ability to engraft. Man, if you get thrown, cast off, and you know, man, I'm running. Jeez, I'm so rebellious right now. I'm so, I hate everything about what God's doing. And let me tell you, God the Father take you smack, and Jesus take you smack, but the Holy Ghost won't take you smack. So don't even mention his name. So if you're ticked off, go ahead and talk to the Father. He'll put up with it and forgive you for it. You ticked off, mad at God, go ahead and blame Jesus. He'll let you do it and let it go and forgive you for it. But you start talking about the Holy Ghost. Now, you can get into a sin that not only in this life and the one to come, that forgiveness can't even show up. There's only one. The impardonable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. That tells me he's so crystal clear in communicating the truths of heaven and the realm of the kingdom that we're all without excuse. Super clear. It's not even debatable. We know. We just choose not to. But if while we're down there complaining and whining about all that just happened to us and what someone did to us and what we thought God should have done but we really weren't asking in the first place or we were asking amiss and didn't understand what all was going on and all the things involved and then we just repent, he has the ability and graft you back in so that you can bear fruit again. Why? Because he's looking for fruit. See, the latter rain is for the maturing of the believer. Zechariah 10, 1 says, ask the Lord for the rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will uh, make fla uh, flashing clouds and will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Uh, we cannot, as believers, be content with the knowledge that when we die, that we'll be present with the Lord. <clears throat> we have got to pray that the rain and that we would want to live in such a way that it's easy for the rain and have an expectation for the latter rain to flow through us, the power of God to be demonstrated through us because there's a whole world out there that God wants to touch through the church. Yes. Through his church. The only hope the world has is that the church of Jesus Christ would rise up in the power that he has given us and begin to do the works that Jesus did in demonstrations. Elijah said in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 to 44, he said, then Elijah said to Ahab, get up, meat, and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Come on, do you hear the sound of the abundance of rain? <clears throat> Listen, the church has been in a dry spell, no doubt about it. It's, man, it's like they have not wanted, many of them have not wanted a move of the Spirit, don't want the Holy Ghost around. They love God the Father. They love the finished works of Jesus. But as far as having to yield to the Spirit, they much rather stay intellectual in their relationship than be led by the Spirit of God. They would much rather be able to explain everything that's going on instead of God moving such a way that all of a sudden the somebody that showed up says, I don't even know what that is. Well, it's because it's not of this world. But at the end of the day, it's still going to require you to believe. So if we don't preach about uh, what uh, the Spirit of God can do, then we can't have an expectation of what the Spirit of God will do. But all of a sudden, the Lord's like, I want to send rain to my land. And so Elijah began to pray, and he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. You know what? There's none even around. He called those things that be not as though they're... He didn't have to even see rain to call rain. And too often, if we don't watch out, we want to wait till we see revival before we'll declare revival. But that's not how it is. If we want the latter... It's coming. I said, it's coming. But if you want to be the one that it flows through, then you got to start calling it now. And Zechariah says, pray for the rain. Pray for the spring rain. The spring rain is the latter rain. He goes on and says this. So Ahab went down to eat and drink. Elijah went up to the top of, of Carmel. I've been there. Then he bowed down on the ground. And I've been there. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good piece. 
to the water. You can see it, but it's like not right there. And he began to pray and bow his face um, between his knees. And it says the servant said to his servant, now while he's praying, he's got his head between his knees. He said, go up now, look towards the sea. And so he went and looked up and said, there's nothing. And seven times. He would not accept something being seen that was different than what he said he heard. But then on the seventh time, it says a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. In essence, that servant went and went. Hmm. And he came back and he says to Elijah, he said, he said, I see there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And he said, go up ahead of, uh, of Ahab, prepare your chariot and go before the rain stops you. And he's like, okay, but man, that thing built exponentially fast. It got so quick. I tell you, it got built so fast. All of a sudden it accumulated and all of a sudden a torrential outpour hit the land. I said a torrential outpour. I'm telling you, when you begin to see the signs of the latter rain, it can seem really insignificant. A few people being healed here, a few people being born again there, a few people being filled with the Spirit of God here, a few people being delivered there. But let me tell you, do you not despise small beginnings? Because I see the cloud, the size of a man's hand of revival hovering over this place right now. Are you hearing me? And he wants to pour out the rain. Yes. Now, I'm going to tell you why. And we're going to close. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 16. He says, so then, my brethren, are you my brethren? Yes. If you're born again, you're my brethren. You're my family. We're the same. I'm your people. You're my people. Because we're in the house of God. Are you hearing me? He says, so then, my brethren, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, does it not say that? So you need to quit shutting down the word work when you hear it and act like it's not for this dispensation. Now, that does not mean you are working so that you can be saved in a right relationship with God. Only Jesus did that finish work. And the only work part you have is that you believed. Faith working is you believing with all your heart and then confessing with your mouth, communicating however you can communicate. Because here's the thing, we are spirit. So even if your tongue was cut out your mouth and you are mute, you can still talk. Everybody, let's just do it together. Nobody say anything, but I want us all to count to 10 right now. Ready, go, count to 10 in your mind. Raise your hand when you get there. So did you hear yourself? You just confessed one to 10 and I didn't hear it, but you heard it and he would hear it. It's amazing how people get, get all bent out of shape over that confession deal. Now, if you do have a mouth, you ought to open it because the world needs to know your confession. I said the world needs to know your confession, but God's not limited because there's where people go. Well, your work of faith is that you confess. That's your doing because he's already done. Oh, but what if a person can't talk? And there you go. Why? Because they just want to be lazy. They don't want to take any responsibility to their life in God. They want to blame God for every shortcoming that happens in life because they will not work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what is this? This means that you've got to work out renewing your mind. That means you've got to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God and follow Him as He leads you, and you've got to take it. He will not force you. The Holy, because if the Holy Ghost was in a forcing, 
I said, if the Holy Ghost was in the forcing, like people want to act like God does, then he would have taken every one of us, drug us down to this altar, drug us to the church. I mean, he would have picked us up, manhandled us down here, had us opened up our mouth, moved our lips, slapped us around on the inside to say this thing. Because he knows how important it is. But at the end of the day, he still wouldn't have got your will. So you do have to do your work of trusting all that he has done. And so you got to work out your salvation. What? Renewing your mind. Your mind don't get renewed just because you're born again. Your mind gets renewed because you find yourself studying. God doesn't slap you in the face and say, get up and read that Bible right now. Get up. Read the Bible. What's wrong with you? You're grounded. You're not even going to work today. You got bills to pay, but at the end of the day, you're supposed to follow me. This is me talking to you. I am the Bible. I am scripture. But have you not read that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce between joint and marrow, soul and spirit? It's alive. Right? But he'll say, hey, you ought to wake up a little bit and read. I want to talk to you today. And Lord, you know I got a big day. I ain't got time. But remember me when I go. Well, who's Lord of this relationship? He said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at what? Work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourself. Will what? Who's going to prove it? Who's proving it? Now, God's already done his part. When it's all said and done, he's going to look at us and say, I put everything in you to live above it all. What'd you do about your part? Why didn't you let it go? Why didn't you release it? Why didn't you allow me to take you in that direction? Why did you resist me? Why did you step back? No, he says, do all things without grumbling and disputing so that you may prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach where in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. You can't appear as a light if you look like the world. How can you look blameless and innocent in a crooked and perverse world if you're acting like them? The latter rain says, let me let you produce the fruit of the kingdom. So when everybody else gets mad, you'll. (laughs) You ain't upset right now. You see what they just did to us. You know what they're saying? They're going to cut our hours. They're going to lay us off. We ain't going to have no job. I mean, we can't pay our bills. What are we going to (laughs) do? What you doing? I'm just eating a little self-control right here. Because I'm not moved. See, my daddy actually owns the planet. (laughs) And if anybody's got to go first, it would be you before me. (laughs) Because dad can let them know I'm their Jacob. And they prosper because I'm here. But if he chooses to let me go, he is going to be obligated to give me double for my trouble. But if we act like them, I don't know what we're going to do. Jesus, why? I got to call a prayer chain. I got to get everybody to pray for me. Right? No, we should look different. Somebody hit you, you respond different. Just like I did. Before I ever went off to Bible school, I was in the army. I had my T-shirt on. I had a little necklace on, and I was just an E-4, and then a warrant officer came up and was in our conversation, but I was talking about God because the Holy Ghost had captivated the conversation. And all of a sudden, this warrant officer slapped me on the face in front of everybody. I went to eating. First fruit I grabbed, patience. Second one. Self-control. He just embarrassed me in front of everybody. And he's 35, 40 years older than I am. In the natural, I feel pretty good. 
Obviously, he was stunned by it, so he pulls out my necklace. What's that? It just happened to be, when it was all the rage, WWJD. <laughs> I said, well, it says WWJD, which stands for what would Jesus do? And he would turn the other cheek. So here it is. You can slap this one in front of everybody. And he left. And he said, well, praise the Lord. You did it, Pastor. I'd have hit him. And that's the difference. Because what you don't understand is because I did that, I go off to Bible school, finish my whole first year. Then I get into my, go towards my second year. And during the summer, the Lord said, don't be worrying about the money for school. You just take care of your family. I got your tuition. All of a sudden, we get a call. This guy is in the neighborhood, 1,200 miles away from home, and is in my neighborhood. Because they had went to another base about two, 300 miles away, 200 miles away in another state. Came by. Him and his wife took me and my wife and kids out for dinner. Bought my children's school clothes. Loaded up, started to head back. The wife called and says, what's going on with the tuition, y'all, for your last year? And my wife said, well, we just believe in God. He's going to provide. She said, we're going to pay for it. The man who slapped my face paid my last year. As a light. Oh, but it gets better because this man had him a chair that said God on the back of it. But he came to this service, a service one time. He walked in the doors because he had got, given his life to Jesus. He walked through the door and began to cry with tears and say, oh my gosh, look what y'all have done. I can't believe it. And I looked at him. I said, you did this because you sowed to us. And I could have said, and you did a lot more for me when you slapped me. And I walked in love. And I wasn't offended. And I kept self-control. And because I became a light that day, he came in. And on a night that Pastor Hagen never prays for healing, decided to pray for healing, and him and his wife both got healed. Listen, we are to be in this world, but not of this world. And the latter rain is going to cause us to be blameless, innocent, cause the fruit, the power of God to manifest in our life that in a crooked and perverse world, we will hold fast the word of life. Because in the end, according to Ephesians 5, 27, it says that he might present to himself the church. Are you the church? Come on, are you the church? Come on, worship team, are you the church? That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. The Passion says it this way. All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure. Don't you want to be a mature one? Don't you want to be that church that's not a wine bag crying, complaining about life, complaining about what everybody's doing to you, about how the world's running you down, how everybody's got you on the run, how look how bad the world is, and we got to do something to change it. You ain't going to change the world one bit if you're not full of the Holy Ghost and power. You're not going to change it one bit if you don't rise up and get the Holy Ghost on the inside and begin to be led by his spirit. Your policies, your legislation, Legislation, your good works will not change this world, but it's only the power of the Holy Ghost that's going to change this world. And that power is already resident in you. What's revival? Revival is you doing the works of Jesus. You should run to this place every Sunday and Wednesday. You should run to get refreshed by the Holy Ghost. You should run to receive the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save your soul. You should run, and then you should demonstrate. Because the reason why we're showing all, doing all these testimonies lets you know it's easy. He's just right here saying, because it's come. Listen, you know as well as I do, you see the rain coming. And man, we get it in Florida, and you're like, ah, there it is. And it's and you can't stop. I'm telling you, unless the Holy Ghost told you to stop the rain, you're not stopping it. It things gonna come down, you're gonna get wet, you're gonna get caught in it, everybody gonna get caught in it. It's just gonna come down. So you might as well be in the house that it comes down through and let it flow through you. Glory to God. Because the latter rain is so that we can demonstrate to the world what it looks like to 
reign in Christ. And they'll say, I ain't never seen nobody like that before. And you'll say, that's all right. I'm not of this world. And you don't have to be either. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. Thank you.